0: jcasnetwork.org Welcome to the Daily Daf Differently. I'm Solomon Mashowitz and today we're studying Masechet Eruvin Daf Dalad Tractate Eruvin 4A and 4B On this Daf, the Gemara debates the origin of the standard units of measurement used in Jewish law. We'll learn about Halakha Sinai and we'll also touch on several key general legal and exegetic concepts used a lot in the Talmud. Finally, we'll see how the sages derive practical ideas from theophany. The Gemara starts out by continuing to explore the use of the long six-handspan cubit and the short five-handspan cubit. When it says "ama cubit in scripture, which cubit is it, the long or the short? They conclude that with few exceptions, mostly connected to the holy vessels of the tabernacle, it usually means the long cubit. But, in a passage in Ezekiel about the future Temple, they decide that in the description of the dimensions of the altar, strangely, some of the cubits are long, and some are short. This brings up the topic of where the Shi'urim, standard amounts and measurements used in halacha, come from. For example, what's the volume of matzah you have to eat in order to meet your obligation to eat matzah on Pesach? And how much food eaten on Yom Kippur makes you liable for desecrating the day? What are the units of volume, weight, and length? Where do they come from? At first, the Gemara proposes that the Shi'urim, the standard amounts and measurements, are in the category of Halakha Lemoshem Misinai, literally, rules to Moses from Sinai. Halakha Lemoshem Misinai isn't what it sounds like. It's often taken to mean something from the written Torah. In fact, it's the exact opposite. These are halachot which go back to antiquity, but in the written Torah, there is no source for them, or even a real allusion to them. Example, that the leather straps on tefillin must be black in color. In the Gemara, these laws are often introduced by the phrase, Be'emet Amru, truly they said, although not all halachot introduced by that phrase qualify. Another tradition about halachal Moshe M'sinai is, is that these rules are universally accepted and have never been subject to to dispute. Maimonides enumerates 31 such laws. Then the Gemara raises the question, maybe the Shiurim standards are in fact alluded to at least in scripture, citing the verse Deuteronomy 8.8 A land of wheat, barley and vines and fig trees and pomegranates, a land of oil and that's olive oil it is, and honey. Rav Kanan seems to claim that this passage, which on its face is just praising the land of Israel, is an allusion to the Shi'urim. The Gemara cites examples of standards which are tied to these agricultural products. For example, barley. Contact with a human bone fragment the size of a barley grain, or larger, can convey ritual impurity. And, of course, kazayat, the volume of an olive, is the standard measure of significance for many halakhot. For example, Eating less than an average olive's volume of food isn't considered legally eating. The Gemara rejects this forced mapping of the standards on this text. And the Gemara concludes, Hilchetaninhu, Vasmachinhu, Rabbanan, Akrae. Nah, these measurements are halachot, Lemoshem, sinai But the sages just used the texts as an asmachta, literally a support, something to lean on. What is an asmachta? When a text is cited in connection with the halakha, sometimes it isn't meant that the text is the origin of the halakha. Instead, the halakha has its origin in the oral tradition, or maybe even a rabbinic institution. But the sages liked to link the halakha to the text of the written Torah anyway. This linkage is valued as mnemonic, homiletic, mystical, and even aesthetic but the text isn't considered legally the basis of the halakha. That symbolic, non-legal linkage is called an asmachtha. Toward the end of the doft. there's another halakha discussed, which happens to also be a hal- halakha l'moshem Sinai Dofen akuma, the crooked wall. Let's take a minute to discuss it, because it's kind of topologically cool. Say you live in a one-story small house. Sukkot is next week, and in the and the middle of the ceiling falls in. Great, you say. Let's thatch it over with schach. By the way, the most difficult word for non-Jews to pronounce is schach, and use it as a sukkah. But wait a minute. halakhically, the schach has to reach the wall, since the hole is in the middle of the ceiling and doesn't go all the way to the wall. Can it still be valid? Yes. The halacha of dofen akuma states that as long as the hole is four amot, or closer to the wall, it's okay. That's because we sort of consider the last four amot of the ceiling adjacent to the wall to be a part of the wall that bent horizontally. This is the halakha le mi'sinai. Let's talk about another key concept, the gzeira, which is an important source of halakha. Generally, a gzeira is a decree where the rabbis, of their own authority, forbid that which the Torah permits. Sometimes the rabbis impose gzirot, additional prohibitions, in order to be sure that a Torahidic law would be properly observed. These prohibitions are called offense around the Torah. Example, even though it's permitted by the Torah, the sages of their own authority forbade eating fowl with milk. On our Adaf, we learn that the sages imposed two non-toraitic additional restrictions on the validity of a ritual immersion in a mikveh when the person's hair is partially occluded. Since the two additional conditions somewhat overlap conceptually, the Talmud asks, Nigzorg zeira Shall we pile prohibitions on top of other prohibitions? This question is itself interesting. It evidences an understanding that being relentlessly stringent isn't good policy. It also follows an important halachic outlook. You put on the brakes if aimla davar sof. There's no end to the matter. You can always find more and more ways to get tough on this doff They also discuss the source text for immersing your hair as well as your flesh in the mikveh. Let's look at Leviticus 15:16. <inaudible> Adhav If any man's seed go out from him, then he shall wash all his flesh in water, and be unclean until the even. It says all his flesh. So why his hair too? Let's set the table. There are two main schools of Midrash Halakha, extracting Halacha from texts the Ribui Umi ut school, which maps meaning onto every little variation in the text, and the more idiomatic Kalufrat school, the requirement to immerse one's hair as well as one's flesh is accomplished here by an interpretive move from the Ribui Umiyut school. It says, Et kol et all his flesh. And the et is interpreted to allude to something additional, namely, hair, even though idiomatically, et just denotes a direct object. Finally, it's known that a mechitza, a legal divider, has to be at least ten handspans, ten tefachim, all. On our doth, the Gemara wonders whether that standard has a scriptural basis. Could it be derived from the fact that the Shekhinah, the Divine Presence, hovered over the cover of the Holy Ark and the Tabernacle, which was Tent Fakim high, and never came closer to the ground than that? It's amazing how the rabbis recruit even stunning images of Divine Theophany into the service of practical halakha.